Thanks for joining the Church at Nolensville Sermon Podcast. We exist to engage the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. Anytime, anywhere, with anybody. Welcome, Church at Nolensville. So glad to be with you today. I just I want you to know, man, that I miss you. I love you. And as I said earlier, man, I'm standing here in, in front of an empty room, but I want you to know I can see your faces. I can picture my church family wherever you are right now, sitting and watching and tuning in. I just want you to know, man, I love you and I can't wait to be together in person again. But between now and then, I'm so excited to open the word with you today. And I know it's an uncertain time and it's an uneasy time. This is a very unprecedented day in history. History books are going to be written about this time in our life. And it is absolutely uncertain and unexpected. But as we jump in this morning, I want you to know this truth before we go any further. And it's this unexpected storms are not unexpected to Jesus. And so God is not caught by surprise. God is not convening the angels up in heaven going, what in the world do we do about this time? God is sovereign and he's in control and he wants to teach us something right now. And, and I believe we're going to learn a lot about the character and nature of God today as we continue in our series, the seven sayings from the cross. And I'll begin by, by saying this. Have you ever heard the statement misery loves company? You, you ever heard that before? You know, you know, when you're, when you're miserable, when you're having a tough day, when things just aren't going your way, you, you want to be around others that really understand how you're feeling because they get you, they know the pain that you're feeling. And so for instance, I mean, if you just got dumped and you don't want to be around lovebirds who are on their first date or celebrating an anniversary, when we're quarantined, we don't want to see pictures on Instagram of people who aren't quarantined. We, we want people who are in the struggle with us. And see, we, we want to be around people who, who know our pain that, that get us. Hey, man, you understand me right now. And, and, and the reality is we, we all have pains. We all have struggles, especially right now. But, but what I realize is so often, man, we look anywhere and everywhere for comfort. We look for comfort everywhere except up. We don't often look to God as the one that we must turn to. And the reality is I don't think we often turn to God in our struggles because we kind of feel like he just, he doesn't really get it what it's like to live here on this earth down here in the mess that we have. I mean, he's, he's far too removed. He's too distant to really understand what it's like in the day to day life here on earth. He he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand misery or sorrow or temptation. Well, the reality is that's, that's just not true. That the Bible calls Jesus the man of sorrows. And what we're going to see today is there's no one better to turn to than Jesus. Not, not only does he understand, but he can help. And, and we can bring to him this morning anything and everything that's going on in our lives. Because the reality is desperation in our lives just sets us up for a great revelation from God. Desperation sets us up for revelation. And and we're going to get revelation today about who Jesus is. And we're going to see not only does he understand, 
but he offers hope. And we're going to find it in John chapter 19, verse 28. We're continuing our seven sayings from the cross. And so grab your Bible. I'm sure you already have it with you or turn it on your phone. Go to John chapter 19. And I want you to go ahead and stand with me out of honor of reading God's word. I'm going to read John chapter 19, verse 28. And after this, when Jesus knew that everything was now finished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I'm thirsty. Knowing that everything was now finished, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. And so Jesus, we, we indeed are thirsty for you. We're thirsty for hope. We're thirsty for peace. We're thirsty from for revelation from you. And so God, would you speak to us this morning as we open your word in Jesus name. Amen. I don't know what some of you are thinking. There's, there's really two words here in this text. I thirst or I'm thirsty. And how in the world are we going to come up with a whole sermon around those two words where they're weighty and they are absolutely power packed. And this isn't just a normal cry from the cross. Jesus is indeed saying, yes, I am thirsty. But what's interesting is John is the, the only one that, that records this. And this cry is more than just a desperate word from a dying man under the heat of the Middle Eastern sun. It's not only just a true cry, hey, I'm thirsty and I'm suffering, but he's, he's also fulfilling scripture. Jesus here is referencing Psalm 69:21 where the psalmist said they put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst and that's actually what the Roman soldiers are going to do next they provide him with a sponge that's been soaked in vinegar they they put it on a branch a hyssop branch and and give it up to Jesus and it's interesting that they use a hyssop branch here because that's that's hearkening back to when the children of Israel the nation of Israel uh, knew that the death angel was coming and they used a hyssop branch to take the blood of a Passover lamb and mark the door and lentils in their home so that when the death angel come the Passover uh, excuse me when the death angel came it would pass over their homes. And what's interesting here is now a hyssop branch is is being offered to the real Passover lamb, Jesus. And it's, it's his blood. It's the shedding of his blood on the cross that allows God's wrath to pass over us. And so Jesus, in this moment, he says, I thirst. Don't you imagine that he was? tortured, abused, beaten, hanging on the cross, now cries out, I thirst. Jesus knows what it's like to suffer. Jesus knows what it's like to have difficult and agonizing circumstances in your life. What could be more agonizing than this moment? Jesus gets it. And to really emphasize this point, I want to turn your attention now to the book of Hebrews. And you don't have to turn there, but I want you to look with me here on the screen. Look at Hebrews 4.15. And this is really going to emphasize to you that Jesus understands our struggles. Look at this. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but 
One who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. So, so let me just ask you a question. When you're sitting under the weight of life, like so many of us are right now, we're quarantined, we have struggles, sometimes there's, there's hopelessness, sometimes we're just sitting under the weight of our own brokenness or we're sitting under the weight of the brokenness of the world, sometimes we're sitting under the weight of our sin. Have you ever wondered how Jesus feels about you or how Jesus feels towards you in that moment? And I, I, think, I think everybody's probably had that moment. Maybe you're sitting in your car. Maybe you're sitting at home. Maybe it's, it's when you woke up this morning. You made breakfast and you're kind of running through what the future might hold. And, and, and you, you feel that moment where you feel maybe trapped or you feel anxious or you feel uncertain. Or, or maybe recently you felt like you've just had this monumental mess up. Or maybe you're stuck in a struggle. But we often, we have this tendency to believe that, hey, if this is what's going on in my life or if this is what's going on in the world, God must be confused or he's not paying attention. If there is a God and he is good, why? Why is God allowing this to happen? Is he angry with me? Has he forgotten about what's happened? Is he abandoning me? If there is a God, maybe he's just angry with me right now. And see our reaction, it isn't, oh man, man, I really need God in this moment. Our reaction quite often is, man, I, I need to run from God. And so, so when life gets upended, what happens is we begin to run from God instead of running to God. And when everything just, man, sometimes just feels wrong in our soul, when we feel scared or we feel anxious or we feel clouded by guilt, and instead of believing, man, is, is God against me? What, what we're called to believe and know is true is that no man, God is for me. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper and I'm not going to run from God. I'm going to run to God because he is my only hope. And, and Hebrews just told us we have a great high priest who is not unable to sympathize with our weakness. And the idea of a high priest is pretty amazing in, in, in ancient Israel. The high priest, he was a man, literally a man who was called to stand between man and God. And he would make sacrifices for sin one day a year. He would make things right between God and man. He would make sacrifices that atoned for their sins. But, but we don't need earthly priests anymore standing between God and man because we have a great high priest. And I, I love what Hebrews says. Look at what it says. We don't have a high priest who is unable to, what, what is the word? Sympathize with our weakness. He's not unable to do that. He's not too far off. He's not unaware. So when you ask the question, how does, how does Jesus feel about us? We don't, we don't have to wonder. Because the, the passage is telling us this. And look, during your struggle, I mean, Hebrews promises that Jesus feels sympathy. I mean, let that, let that, that sit in for a minute because you may feel like no one understands, or maybe those around you don't get it, but maybe there are times your faith feels far off, or you feel like you've royally blown it, or you have been betrayed, or you feel like you have betrayed God, or maybe you're gripped with fear and anxiety, but, but the Bible just says during your struggle, Jesus feels sympathy. And I know what you're thinking. 
How in the world, Wade, is that the God of the Bible's response to me and my struggle? How? Well, that's a good question. Well, the Bible says for 33 years, Jesus walked in our flesh. He experienced what we experienced, our struggles, our pains, our temptation. He literally walked in our mess. And I, I grew up with this idea of Jesus. You know, he's a, he's a first century guy, wore a robe, you know, had a, a rope around his waist. But, but he was never really tempted, never really struggled. I mean, maybe once, but, but that's when he was a child. And his robe was probably more of a cape, you know, Galilean peasant by day, but divine son of God by night, you know. That he had a human body, but, you know, it probably could, you know, deflect bullets if he had to. You know, the Bible says that Jesus, he he was fully human, but he was fully God for sure. Fully human, but fully God. And the Bible says he was tempted in every way. What does it mean that he was tempted in every way? Well, it means every way. Jesus knew and felt and experienced all of our struggles, every trial, every temptation, every fear, every uncertainty we face, he faced, yet without sin. That's why he's the great high priest. That's the point. Jesus is the perfect one to turn to because he absolutely understands. And Hebrews gives us even more insight into that in verse uh, chapter two. It says this, therefore he... That's Jesus had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. Verse 18, listen, for he himself has suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are tempted. During the 33 years, Jesus walked on this earth. It was Satan's goal to break Jesus, get Jesus to sin. And Satan took everything that he had and he literally just poured it on Jesus. And for 33 years, when Jesus was tempted, he, he suffered. He felt the full brunt of temptation. I mean, imagine waking up to that every day. That's what was happening. And so the Bible says that Jesus knows. He understands the uncertainty that you feel right now. He understands the insecurity He understands that our faith may feel weak. He understands what it's like to struggle. And the Bible says that Jesus is a sympathetic high priest. And so right now, Jesus is not. He's not looking down at you. He's not looking down at me. And he's not rolling his eyes going, come on, Owens. Is this really how you're going to go about this? Are you still struggling with that? Is that really what's going on in your life? He's not doing that. The Bible says that he's sympathetic. And during our struggle, the Bible says he feels sympathy and sympathy literally means this to suffer with or, or, or another way would, would be to say to suffer alongside with. I mean, think about that right now. That's what the Bible is telling you is true about Jesus, that you have a great high priest who is going to suffer right alongside with you. Yes, he's in heaven, but he's not distant and he can't, and it's not that he can't understand because he's been there and there's, there's power in that. There's power in the fact that Jesus suffers alongside with us. I mean, think about it like this. Um, I've, I've been pretty open about the, the story of my dad's passing from cancer. I mean, in 2017, we went through a six month journey with my dad that just, man, wrecked my heart and was 
at times just hard to breathe. And there were people who came around me and said, man, wait, I love you and I care about you. You're my brother, you're my friend. And man, that, that, that meant quite a bit. But there were other people who came around me and they said, hey man, a year ago, hey, hey I lost my dad. And I just want you to know, man, I've walked in your shoes. And man, I love you. And they, they didn't have to say anything else because I knew they knew exactly what it felt like to be in my position. And they literally suffered right alongside with me. I mean, Kim and I, have, I've told you before, we've had seven miscarriages in the first eight years of our marriage. And so our hearts break when, when we interact with other couples who are going with that. And, and when we're able to connect with them or, or in that time when couples who had gone through that in their own life connected with us, there was a, a, a connection, a suffering alongside with other people that knew our journey. And that's what the scripture says about Jesus, that he literally, literally suffers alongside with you. So, so whatever you're enduring, whatever's happening right now, man, Jesus, he's been there. And he wants to suffer right alongside you as a sympathetic high priest. But, but, but the Bible doesn't just leave us there. Look at, look at verse 16. It says, therefore, because we have this great high priest, therefore, let us, what's the word, approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Therefore, let us approach. And then that word approach, it's in the perfect tense in Greek. And, and I can't see your faces right now, but I really wish I could because I bet you don't have a shocked view on your face right now, but you should because that's not just a simple past tense. Like, hey, approach, it's one and done. You do it and it's over. No, no, no. This is something that God wants you to do over and over and over and over again. So, so an example would be like, hey, hey men, when you, when you make that bed at home and your wife has all those fluffy pillows, you, know, you got 42, 43, 44 pillows, stacked up on the bed. The bed just keeps getting higher and higher and higher. And every time you make the bed, she wants you to, and you should put all of the pillows back in their right place. And she doesn't want you to do that once, but every time you make the bed, make it right over and over and over and over again. We're not supposed to leave our shoes in the living room. We were supposed to clean up after ourselves, clean the kitchen. Don't leave the microwave dirty over and over. Do it repetitively. That's, that's the idea here. The perfect tense tells us that this isn't a one and done thing. This is something that God wants you to do over and over and over and over. Approach the throne of grace over and over and over and over. Some translations say the word draw near. I love that. Draw near to God over and over and over and over again. The high priests in Israel, they only approached God in his presence one time a year. But through Jesus, our great high priest, we get to approach God anytime, anywhere, over and over and over and over again. So, so whatever you're feeling, here's, here's what I want you to know. Don't run from God, especially right now. Run to God. Run to your sympathetic high priest, the one who on the cross demonstrated his humanity, said, I thirst. Not only saying, man, this, this is hard, but fulfilling scripture. 
Don't run from God, run to God. And bottom line, listen, we don't, we don't deserve this privilege. I mean, all of us, we're prone to wonder. We're, we're in desperate need of a savior. We quite often think, man, my way is better. But my prayer is that, that this truth, especially right now, would be very heavy and weighty on your soul. That we have full access to approach the king of glory any time. We get to approach his throne. And that's, that's what the verse says here. Approach the throne. But listen, it's not just any throne. It's a throne of what? It's a throne of grace. It's a throne of grace. And I love that because anytime there's a throne, there's a king. And the throne that we, we approach isn't just any throne and there isn't just any king. It's the king of kings. And when we become, when we come before his throne, his throne isn't a symbol of tyranny. It's a symbol of power for sure, but it's not a symbol of power to crush us. It's a symbol of power to save us and to heal us because it's a throne of grace. And and we have access anytime right now. It's our privilege. Don't waste that privilege. It's said all the time right now, don't waste your quarantine. I would say to you, don't waste your privilege. Don't miss out on what Jesus offers you. And Jesus isn't ushering us to the father to receive his wrath. Jesus is ushering us to the father to receive his grace and mercy. And listen, I I told you at the beginning of the sermon, unexpected storms are not unexpected to Jesus. And I don't know in total what's unexpected in your life right now. I can imagine, I know what my family's dealing with. I know the struggles that we feel. I know the the insecurities or the anxiety that creeps up inside of us. So I, I know that some of that is happening inside of you right now, but But we serve a high priest who is able to suffer right alongside with us. And so don't don't run from God, run to God in this moment. And that's that's what I want to invite you to do right now. Draw near, approach the throne of grace with confidence. I want you to do that in this moment right now. If you're watching this by yourself, we're going to give you an opportunity to pray. Man, I want you to pray out loud. I'm going to give you some prompts. I'm going to give you some things to pray for. If you're with your family or you're with your friends, man, I want to invite you, man. Dads, grab the hands of your wife. Bring your kids in close. And this is a moment for you to lead your family to the throne of grace and and draw near to God. But first, let me just say a word to those of you who are not followers of Jesus and you're not a Christian, but the gospel has found its way to you online today. And I would say to you, you need to draw near to God for salvation because he has already drawn near to you. Jesus has already come, been crucified, buried and resurrected for you. He has put sin and death to death. And today you can receive new life and salvation just by calling out to him and saying, dear God, have mercy on me, a sinner and save me. Do that. Do that right now. I mean, for those of you who who are Christians, here's here's what I'm going to ask you to pray. I want you to to pray something along this line. I want you to declare confidence in who God is. 
So whether you're by yourself or with your family, huddle up. And I want you to take about 15 to 30 seconds and just declare your confidence in who God is. Do that. Maybe say, God, this this isn't unexpected to you and we trust you. God, thank you for not being unaware. Thank you that you see the beginning from the end. Just, Just declare your confidence in God. And next, I, I want you to thank Jesus for being willing to suffer alongside with us that he is with you, that he is near. And so just thank God in this moment right now that you have a sympathetic high priest who knows whatever you're dealing with that. Do that now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank him that he knows. Thank him that he cares. Cry out to him right now. And lastly, here's what I want you to pray for. I'm gonna ask that you would ask God to use you as ambassadors of hope, as agents of mercy, persons of peace into your neighborhoods right now that you can share what you've learned today with others that we have hope that we don't suffer alone and so ask God for boldness and opportunities for him to use your life right now God use our church use our lives Use this time, Jesus, for your glory. And as we, we get ready to sign off, we, we want to know you're watching. We want to know that you're here. We want to pray for you. So take a moment right now. Drop, drop a comment in. Take, take a moment and, and send a shout out. Send a prayer request. A praise God. Something that God is doing in your life. A thank you to him. Drop it in a comment. Also, but before you finish, make sure you post online pictures of you and your family watching the worship experience today. Hashtag can at home. Love you guys. Can't wait to see you in person soon.